Welcome to the Active Advisor Podcast, brought to you by Harbor Capital. Join us as we learn from pros who have helped thousands of investors live better lives. I'm Brian Moore, and I'll be chatting with some of the brightest minds in the financial advisory business, bringing you insights on practice management and investment research that works for advisors and their clients. Joining me today on this episode of the Active Advisor Podcast is Patrick Wong, CAIA, Director of Investments at Source Financial Advisors out of New York. As the Director of Investments and Wealth Management, Patrick brings 10 plus years of experience in managed portfolios for both private clients and institutions. Patrick is a leader on the investment team and is responsible for setting investment philosophy and directing the investment process. His expertise lies in overseeing the strategic and tactical asset allocation decisions across multiple asset classes, including public equities, public bonds, as well as alternative vehicles such as real estate, hedge funds, and private equity funds. Welcome, Patrick, and thanks for joining me today. Thank you very much, Brian. It's a pleasure to be here. Great to have you. Really excited about today's podcast. Yeah, me too. To get us started today, we always like to kick off the discussion with asking, what's your first memory that you have related to money or investing? Yeah, I'd say my first memory with investing has to be my dad furiously kind of scraping through different stocks and mutual fund books. I remember this as a kid. So I grew up in California, you know, grade school, really from an early age. And that was kind of the thing to do, I guess, in California during that time. So I remember him kind of scraping through different books and we had all these books about mutual funds and everything. And then I also remember him and his buddies would come over and they would talk stocks all the time. And, you know, looking back on it, it's interesting now kind of taking from perspective of where I sit today is that, you know, it's kind of, you know, very similar with what you see today, where you have a whole bunch of people trying to get into the market and learning about it. And that's what I remember as in a really early age, you know, unfortunately, right before the tech boom, but that's my first memory of investing. Did you ever look at the Wall Street Journal when you'd get those? Occasionally, I would see someone like a doctor's office and you just saw the pages of tickers. And that, that used to kind of fascinate me as well. Yeah. <laughs> so that was my dad. My dad would circle names. I have this vivid memory of you know sitting at our kitchen table and he had just books out and he was circling different names as yeah. he was going through it. So yeah, that's kind of my first memory with investing. And looking back on it, I think it's really interesting because you see these trends kind of happen. You know, it's very cyclical. No, it is. It is. And that's a great way to learn. Yeah. Before we get a little bit more into the professional side of your life, I'd like to get to know you better and like for the audience as well. We seem to get a lot of dog owners on this show, and I think you're among them. uh, Just talking prior. Tell me about your four-legged friend. Yeah. So Biggie is his name. He's a hound mix. Yeah. He's getting older, actually. He's almost... My wife and I were just talking about He's almost seven years old now. So... I would say that one of the things that, you know, COVID was really tough being trapped in the home, but I think he loved it. You know, he was, <laughs> he was like, oh, you guys are home all the time now. This is great. You know, so exactly. He's getting older, but yeah, he's a very big part of our family. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. We have yeah. couple as well. And yeah, during COVID, didn't they love like the multiple walks a day? Oh my goodness. It's just, <laughs> you know, not being left at home, you know, yeah. alone is a big thing. You know, I think that. Now I feel like he's gotten so used to it that he doesn't even know what to do you know, if there's no one here. So, uh, yeah. We're going to take a turn here towards something that might you know, be just as near and dear. I understand you're also a big hockey and basketball fan. Given that we're in the playoff season right now, I've got to ask, who are you rooting for? What's your teams? 
Yeah. So grew up professionally in Columbus. So Columbus Blue Jackets have been my hockey team. We were not good this season and we were not (laughs) even not good enough to be worst place. So (laughs) I think we were trying to be worst place this year. We ended up, you know, we're second to last place. So hopefully next season is going to be a little bit better with some new draft picks. And then on a basketball front, I grew up in Lexington, Kentucky. So I'm a big college basketball UK fan. And then also the Knicks, you know, being in New York for the past couple of years, I've become a Knicks fan. I didn't really have an NBA team. So, you know, last night we actually just beat the Cavs. So we're moving on mm-hmm. to the next round. It's an exciting year of basketball. So, yeah, it is. It seems yeah. like the competition's really pretty close. I haven't seen too many blowouts yet. No. Uh, yeah. Just, I'm excited. Yeah. It's, it should be good. And I saw that, you know, the heat one as well. So, you know, going to be playing the heat, which is also pretty exciting instead of Milwaukee. So, but Yeah. I don't know. We'll see how it goes, but I'm excited about the prospects of, you know, where we go moving forward. Awesome. Well, yeah. best of luck to your team, unless they play the Sixers. <laughs> okay, so we're going to do a slight transition here over to the workplace talk. So you are the Director of Investments at Wealth Management at Source Financial Advisors. What is the focus of Source? Who are the clients you serve? And what do you consider to be the firm's specific value proposition? Yeah, so I'd say, you know, a lot of our clients are women. Michelle, the lead financial advisor, has done a really good job with kind of carving out a niche or niche market for her, mm-hmm. for the firm. So, you know, she focuses a lot on divorced clients or divorced women. So I'd say, you know, a large majority of our clients fall into that category. Not all, but a lot of our clients fall into that category as far as who our clients are from that prospect. You know, from a value proposition, you know, I thought about this, you know, I, I'd love to be able to say, you know, investments and all those kind of other things that, you know, I kind of lead. And well, I think they're true. I think, you know, sometimes they can be commoditized a little bit. And what I would say, I think our really big value add that I think we provide and you know, it just by happenstance that I kind of joined Michelle as this was happening, but I think it's providing clarity, I think is a good one. You know, coming on, I think one of the reasons Michelle has been so successful with the clientele that she's, that, you know, the firm is, is simply because she provides a lot of clarity behind the divorce process that is pretty tricky and, and often clouded with a lot of, you know, nuances that people don't get. And, yeah. And I think that she's provided a lot of clarity behind that. And I feel like that's what I always try to do as well. You know, I say this to a lot of our clients is that I want our clients to know why we're invested in what we're invested in. And, and I want them to have a good idea why that is. I would say that we worked really hard to provide clarity to our clients. And I hope that's what our clients would say if you asked them today and said, hey, you know, what do you really like about this? You know, along with our investments and our financial planning and all that kind of stuff that comes along with running the firm, but also, you know, our ability to provide clarity to our clients that I think that sometimes our industry, just like the divorce side, can be a little bit clouded and it can be almost a little bit overcomplicated. And I think that, you know, if you can simplify it, I think it provides a lot of clarity. And I think that's what people want, honestly. They want to know why they're investing, what they're in, why they're doing what they're doing. And I hope that we provide a good job with that. Well, it sounds to me like you do, without a doubt. I mean, I think that's one of the things that, you know, definitely I know this podcast and, and Harbor, you know, is excited about is really kind of bringing the active element, whether it be human reaching out, human interaction, you know, back into the investment world and back into the focus, because I think really yeah. firms like yours, it really kind of sets you apart. Yeah, I, I hope so. I hope so. That's one thing I would say that Michelle and I have both focused on quite a bit, especially since COVID. It's been yeah. a big driver. Yeah. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about what you're responsible for at the firm. So I'd say I'm responsible for all things investing. And it's kind of broad, uh, but <laughs> I, small, I but you yeah, know, yeah, kind yeah, of broad. Yeah, it has it has its place. <laughs> 
I would say, you know, something that maybe I didn't realize at the beginning, you know, coming independent, you know, coming from Morgan Stanley, coming from the wirehouses to you know, on the independent side was, you know, investing is, you know, not just about what you're actually investing in, but it's also the platforms that you're using. So not only am I in charge of, you know, what we're investing in and the ideas that we're doing and, and running the portfolios, but it's also about, well, what custodians are we using? What platforms are we using? What TAMPs are we using? And how does it all come together? You know, that's kind of my focus here at Source. Okay. So now we've heard about the broad kind of scope of what you're doing. Let's take a little bit deeper dive. Let's dig into your investment philosophy a bit. Is there a Patrick Wong DNA in the approach taken by the firm? Are there any key tenants that you have brought over from your past as a PM and analyst at Morgan? Yeah, there are. There are absolutely pieces of me in how we approach the firm as far as an investment piece is. But you know, I'd be really remiss without saying is that honestly, I've been super lucky with having just a wonderful mentors. And I think the phrase is, you know, almost like standing on the shoulder of giants. I feel like that's what I've been really fortunate with. And I talk with my old CEO who we were talking about earlier. And you know, I'm like, gosh, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm just taking everything that you had and what and what I learned from you. And you know, most of the time he kind of quips back and he's like, well, at least you're taking from the best, you know, but there's one time he did answer it and he said, well, you know, where do you think I got this? And yeah. I thought a lot about that. And it's kind of like, you know, you're always tweaking, you know, you're tweaking something that has a really strong foundation. I think a good analogy to that is just how, you know, family recipes kind of get passed down almost. And, you know, it maybe starts with a great grandparent, moves down to the grandparent, the grandparent takes like that strong foundation of it and then tweaks it around the edges. Then it goes to the father or, you know, the mother and, and tweaks around the edges, then the child. And I think about that and it's like, well, that's why the recipe is so great because it's been alive forever and you, you're constantly making it better and better and better and better and better. And that's why you, you have this product that's just phenomenal today because you've had all these really great cooks throughout the process kind of tweaking it. I feel like that's the process that we have. So to say the DNA is mine only? No, absolutely not. It's kind of a culmination of a lot of different people and how we've learned through that. So it's an interesting process to kind of think about. No, it is. It is. And, and I look forward to maybe speaking with the person that you're going to mentor one day. Uh, <laughs> definitely don't want the DNA to go to waste and, and definitely kind of the culmination of expertise that you've built over the years. Yeah, no, it's absolutely something that, you know, yeah, it kind of passing it down. And I would say, you know, as far as the key tenants, I think the key tenant for me, and I say this with our team, I say this with our clients as well. It sounds cliche kind of saying this, but it's process, process, process. And I think about that a lot. You know, I think about one of the things when in my prior job, I was working with Greystone, the institutional arm of Morgan Stanley, and, you know, we were focusing mainly on foundations, endowments. And, you know, I always thought about why did we have good performance? And I think a lot of our performance well, you know, we, yeah, we were absolutely, you know, investing in some of the press private equity, some of the best hedge funds and all that kind of jazz. But I think what really drove the performance was just a really strict process. And it's not just about the process behind how you're, you know, finding managers. It's a process about how do you size managers? How do you work that into a portfolio? How do you think about taking risk within a portfolio? You know, how is it actually executed? So 
I think about that a lot. And I think about, you know, why were we so good on the institutional side? And I think it's just because of that strict process that we brought over. And I would say that's what we've tried to do here at Source is that whatever we're investing in, there's some type of way to do it. You know, if we're looking for managers, there's a way to do that. If if we're going to be scaling back positions or, you know, taking on different positions, there's a way to do that. So I think that's been really, I think, a key tenant for me and something that I've tried to bring over to Source. Okay, well, this is a great segue to all my managing positions. Yeah. Um, so do you manage portfolios of individual securities, funds, or do you have a mix? So no individuals for the most part. We, you know, we rely on managers, active management to do a lot of our individual positions. So we have a mix of mutual funds, ETFs, hedge funds, private equity, all those kind of fun stuff as well. But for the most part, we do have individual positions. We try to work around. We find solutions for a lot of our clients that have those concentrated positions about how do we diversify a little bit, how we lower our concentration risk in some of these names while doing it prudently, thinking about taxes, right? So I would say there's no individual positions that we're putting in model portfolios. I really think that that's why you have active management. And I think that that's a big piece to that is that, you know, I rely on our managers to do that for us to be able to find the best companies. And when I talk to managers, and that's what I want to expect out of them, you know, what companies are they looking at? Why are these companies the best? And what's going to make these companies grow faster than, you know, maybe some of the other ones, or maybe protect better than some of the other ones, whatever it may be. Yep. Working on Wall Street, as you did as well, there's always an old adage, you make a lot of money on one stock, but you keep and grow it by investing in many. Yeah. No. Oh, absolutely. I <laughs> wholeheartedly believe that. <laughs> yeah. And, and and so it definitely sounds to me like that's what you and the team at Source are doing. That's absolutely awesome. Yeah. Where do you see kind of a hot button space that we see people talk about all the time is kind of the alt space? Where do you see the most demand coming in that space from your clients? And what are your clients talking to you and asking you about? Yeah, I think this is a hot button topic. And what I would say with our clients, it's not necessarily our clients coming to us asking for that. It's more presenting the options to them okay. and, and thinking outside the box a little bit. Looking back two years ago, I think it was more so than it is now just with the interest rate environment moving up. But you know, we do a lot of work behind the financial planning side. So a lot of our clients understand, hey, we need to make X every single year and that's what we need to hit. And I think it's intuitive to say, hey, well, interest rates are zero. How are we still going to hit X, right? We still need to hit X. How are we going to do that? So it's about us trying to drive different options that are out there to help us hit that number. And I think the clients understand this. Clients understand that interest rates are, you know, at the time, interest rates were low. So we got to do something different. So I think it's more out of almost how do we think outside the box to meet these goals, you know, and I think that's how a lot of our alternatives have kind of come along within our platform. And, you know, how are we supplementing, you know, our strong foundation that we do have and, and adding to that? You know, we do get some questions about hedge funds and, you know, things like that. But I would say primarily we're trying to drive that narrative to say, hey, this, we are doing this and this is something that we're pretty active in. No, that's great. So we talked about alts being a hot button. Is there a consensus or widely held view out there today in the investing world? There's many, but, but we'll, <laughs> yeah. what we're asking about is one that you disagree with, whether it be rate movements, international, EM equities, commodities. I know that I don't know more than everyone else. And you know, I think about that in almost two big buckets. You know, you have a bearish sentiment and you have a bullish sentiment, and you can find reasonings on either side about why that is. But for the most part, you know, it's two different kind of roads that you can kind of go down. 
And I would say that, you know, where we fall on is maybe the more bearish side, you know, for our portfolios, for instance, we've really just tried to do what's simple that's out there. And what's simple is just higher interest rates. And just like we were talking about just, you know, the alternative space. And I say this to clients all the time is that there's time for portfolios to be sexy and, and fun, but I think there's also a time for portfolios to be really simple. And sometimes the simplest is the best. And, you know, for our portfolio, you know, it's not necessarily that I think things are bearish. Well, maybe I do believe that, but it's more so what is going on today? What do I know today? And what I know today is that interest rates are close to 5%. That's what I know. And I think you can take that and then say, okay, well, if we know that today and we can do that today, this is how we're going to invest. And I think, you know, and then it breeds the question, well, if you're doing that, then you're bringing portfolios more bearish, right? Because you, you haven't maybe a little bit of overweight to fixed income. So, you know, by where the economy is today and how we kind of view things about where markets are today, by consequence, I guess, about where that is, it's drawn portfolios a little bit more bearish. So I feel like maybe I fall into that camp, but I think it's tough. I, you know, there's a lot out there. There's a lot to read. There's a lot of opinions. And I would say one thing that I've tried to do over the past, you know, 10 plus years is kind of narrow down that spectrum of who am I following? Why am I following them? So I've tried to do that a lot. Yeah. That's great. So we're going to kind of delve back into something we touched on a little bit earlier. How long have you been using the Dynasty platform? And more generally, how do you think outsourced platforms compare to what's available in the wirehouse environment? Yeah, Dynasty has been a great partner. So we've been a partner firm for a long time. Michelle was one of the first firms to join Dynasty. And Michelle always talks about that Dynasty is one of the reasons that we're here today. So they've been a great partner. As far as, you know, the outside platforms were versus wirehouse. I'd, I'd say they're very comparable. You know, I'd say maybe when I first came over, and maybe this is a learning curve as well. You know, this is something that I didn't really understand quite as well coming over initially, and what I've come to <laughs> learn today. But I, I would say that what you've seen is comparable to what I saw at Morgan. I wouldn't say there's big differences between the two today, from my seat at least. That says a lot for Dynasty. It really does, because I mean, I know Morgan, you have almost everything available to you. And that's great. I mean, I think we need more of that in the independent space. Yeah. And what I'd say is that, you know, everything's out there. Because I think about my position, just like we had talked about, you know, some of the responsibilities that you try to hit of the firm. It's not only what we're investing in, how we're investing, it's also the platform behind that. And I mean, there's so many great things coming out. And, you know, sometimes I feel like Morgan and some of the big guys can be this Titanic. And it does take a long time to get things done. I know even on the Greystone side, you know, slightly a little bit more independent than the typical Morgan advisor, but still it was very difficult to get things done, to use new products. And I think that that's something that if you're active about that in your practice today on the independent side, you can find those and you can upgrade your firm a lot quicker just because you're able to kind of grab what's best off the shelf from a lot of different firms. So I'd say that's something that both not only from the investment side, you know, what, what the tools we're using, but also from Michelle and, and the advisory side on financial planning, everything. We're trying to look out and find the best tools that are always available. So, you know, I'd say Michelle's really good about trying to find new fintech as well as myself on, on the investment side. Well, that's great. Yeah. So speaking of fintech and kind of the firms, you use GeoWealth as your platform for model portfolios. What's the most important aspect of your partnership with GeoWealth? What does the platform allow you to do, back to what you said, better, faster, or more robustly than you could have done on your own? Yeah, I think you know we use GeoWealth as a TAMP to help trade our model portfolios. I mean, it helps synergize everything, right? So all our clients trade at the same time. I think that that's 
such a big deal to make sure that everyone's getting the same price across the board. Yeah. And the execution. So they help with that process. They help keep things organized from a model portfolio perspective, be able to find out, you know, if anyone maybe is a little bit drifting off for some reason, why that's happening. So they've been a great partner with that. And I think, you know, this is something, again, you know, I've kind of learned about coming over from the wirehouse side, you know, I thought I knew the wealth management industry coming over, you know, you, you work with some of the smartest minds, and you have the ability to sit down with these great people. And when I came over, I realized all I knew was really investing. I didn't actually know the wealth management industry. So it was really interesting. It was, you know, I didn't know Morgan was doing this. I didn't know Morgan would have this for me. I didn't know that that wasn't, you know, I had to find my own solution for that. So a lot of it has been this learning curve with, you know, coming out and saying, okay, I got to think about how I'm trading, you know, what TAMPs are I using, you know, well, all these are kind of packaged up and, and Morgan, this was a little bit of a learning curve for me. So GeoWealth has been a great partner in the idea that they've helped bring that along. Yeah. So you touched on TAMPs for anybody who's listening to the podcast that may not know exactly what that is. Would you take 30 seconds out and kind of... Yeah. So it's a turnkey asset management program, and really it helps manage portfolios. So you know you have a portfolio and you can add accounts to that portfolio, essentially. And when a change happens with that portfolio, the changes are go to all the accounts that are within that portfolio. So that's what a TAMP really does for us. And it helps make things a lot more organized. And it also, if you think about that, we have a couple different portfolios and all those portfolios, you know, as things change, they all change at the same time. And Mm -hmm. what's important is that all our clients are getting, you know, best pricing when it comes to that. So we're able to, you know, group all our trades together so we can get better pricing when it comes to, you know, actually executing the trades. So that's what the TAMP really helps us do as far as an organizational front. No, I appreciate you highlighting that because yeah. they really are kind of a key, I was like quasi-secretive, you know, to anybody they outside, are. <laughs> outside the knowing. Group. I mean, Brian, honestly, I had no idea. I mean, I knew there was a trading platform. I didn't know what it was called yeah. coming over. I just called it a trading platform, but I didn't realize how much it helped. Yeah, yeah. I just thought that that's how it worked, you know, and that's something that you know, going through the process coming over, you know, we interviewed a lot of different firms that do this. And and I learned a lot through that process, just being able to see, you know, not only one TAMP, but I think we interviewed four different TAMP providers to figure out, you know, which one did we want to use? Because honestly, I was coming out and I didn't know. And I felt like I needed to, you know, if I was going to make a recommendation with this, I really wanted to understand the landscape with what we were working with. So I spent a lot of time, I spent probably six to eight months really going down into the TAMP space and figuring out, you know, what makes them different? What should you be paying for? All these different things. So yeah, it's been an interesting journey. That's yeah. great. going to switch to something a little bit more personal. We're going to move away from the lovely TAMP discussion. You publish thought leadership and market commentary pretty regularly on your site. What do you find your client base is most interested in and hearing from you? And are there other channels that you use to publish out to them in addition to the site. So that's something we've really worked on over the past year, year and a half. We've we've really built out this market insights page on our website to help kind of house, you know, some of our thinking and some of the stuff that we've been publishing. And I think, I guess this kind of goes back to a prior question is that, you know, what I hope it's providing, what I think it's providing is clarity. So we publish one on a weekly basis. We publish, you know, four charts that we think are really interesting. And then I had this idea during COVID that, Times were crazy during COVID. First, you know, it was a crazy time. You know, living in New York City was a crazy time during COVID. 
Yep. And I remember, you know, Michelle and I were talking and it was when oil had gone negative, if you remember that. And yeah, we were getting a lot of questions. Well, you know, it's not necessarily like, oh, should I be doing this? It's just like, how does this work kind of thing? So we started this series called Mastering Your Money. And it was really meant to pick up on one topic in finance and kind of cover that topic. And I didn't know it was going to be a series kind of, you know, initially it started off as, okay, let's kind of uncover why oil can go negative and how does that work? So we tried to do that and clients really responded well to it. They really liked it. So we've tried to continue doing that now. So I think since then, we've I think we're on our 18th episode, I think we are on now. And it's been fun for me, you know, just going through it. I spent a lot of time on it, but also with clients, we've gotten a really good reception with just helping to understand things. So right now we're doing our alternative series. So we just did hedge funds in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be doing private equity. And then in the next couple of weeks, you're doing private debt and private real estate. So yeah, it's it's been fun for me. And I hope for clients as well. It's again, I think the goal is to provide clarity. And I think, you know, we get responses from clients saying, oh, this has been really helpful. And that means the world to me, because that's really what I'm trying to do with the content that we're pushing out. So yeah, I think that's maybe the big thing. And as far as different avenues, you know, so we use our website and then I also started a Twitter. So uh, <laughs> I jumped on the Twitter train to kind of put that out. So we actually, yeah, we actually just crossed one year. Our first Twitter was at the end of April, and we just published the last one that we just did last Friday was one year. So we do that on every Friday, as far as you know, some content that we're putting out just from what I'm seeing. I feel like I was really late to this whole like social media <laughs> side of it. So it's been fun. You know, I'll like race over to Michelle and be like, oh my gosh, we got to retweet, you know? <laughs> and it's like, I'm diving into social media for the first time, really. So it's been interesting from that regard as well. That's awesome. So I think they call them the FinTwit universe. So yeah, I think so. I think, you know, it's crazy. I get some of my best information from Twitter. You see some of the best charts. And I think it's just about, you know, not leaving it too broad, but really kind of narrow again, you know, narrowing down who you're listening to. So I feel like I get so much from Twitter, really quick stuff and really interesting charts. So yeah, I thought it would be a good opportunity. We've gotten a good kind of reception from clients. We had one client say, it helped me see the world and it helps me dive into things a little bit deeper. And, and honestly, that just means the world to me. I think that that's what we're trying to do. I, I want clients to understand you know, what we're doing here and why we're doing it. And to hear that, that that's kind of coming back that way, it makes me feel really great. So it's something that we plan on continuing. That's awesome. I think that's one of the things that you can really do and highlight and focus on in the independent structure, which is a nice segue to one of the questions that we'd love to ask our guests who operate in the independent space. What would you say to anyone thinking about breaking away from a wirehouse or a large firm model and going independent and specifically from the perspective of an investment director or researcher? Yeah, good question. So I don't know about the breakaway part. I've never been a part of a breakaway. I've seen that happen. So I can't really speak about kind of the thought process behind that. What I can speak to is what it's like wirehouse versus, you know, independent today. And I think a lot of it is knowing the industry. You know, again, I didn't really know the industry. I thought I did. I just knew investments coming over. Now I feel like I have a really good depth about who the players are in the industry to say, okay, this is how you do this, this is how you do this. So it's helped me become a lot more well-rounded just in my career. And I feel a lot more confident with what I'm saying, just because I know how these pieces are kind of coming together. 
again, it's, you come over and you had no idea about all this. So you got to spend some time kind of researching it and looking into it. And that's what I would say, you know, to anyone kind of thinking about it is that spend the time to really dive into think about, you know, from the investment director side and the CIO side, it's how are you going to trade? What platforms are you going to be using? You know, who's going to be your custodian? Why do you want them as a custodian? You know, all these kind of little things that you kind of take for granted being on the wirehouse. And what I would say, you know, kind of expanding again is that, you know, there's a lot of options out there and there's a lot of upgrades to what is available to whatever the wirehouses are using. So you just got to spend the time and make sure you're prepared with it. Again, I've not been a part of an actual breakaway, but from my seat, that's what I would be really concerned about, you know, knowing what I know now. No, that's great. That's awesome. And it is. You go from, you know, a set world and a set sandbox to all of a sudden now everything's kind of out there and, and everybody's saying that they're the best. So, oh, uh, yeah. It's just like you get pushed out the door and you, you, <laughs> exactly. you, you didn't know you were in a door, you know, you didn't know yeah, you were exactly. in. <laughs> yep. It was interesting. But yeah, nonetheless, I, I wholeheartedly think that this is a better side. I think, you, you know, what you're able to do for clients, you we're always kind of pushing the boundaries. You know, it's not about just the investment side. It's also knowing that what we're doing on the back end about, you know, you can negotiate fees, right? You can go back to your providers and say, hey, we need lower fees because we're doing X, Y, and Z. So a lot of what we're trying to do is not just on the front end, but it's also on the back end. And I think that's such an important piece of that. And I hope clients understand that because I think being an advisor and being in that financial kind of fiduciary role, you need to be doing everything that's best for the client. And I think that there's a lot of different avenues to do that. And I think that's great. That's what's great about the independent side is that you can do that. Well, on the wirehouse side, you don't have a choice about who your provider is, you know? Going to move a little bit away from the independent talk that we've been doing here. What is a skill that you believe an investment researcher starting out on their journey today should focus on developing? I'll say quick answer, probably coding, programming. It's huge. It's changed the way I kind of view things. Longer answer, I'd say, you know, and it is cliche, but it's just working hard and being humble, I think is just so important. You know, I don't really believe in luck, but it happens when you work hard, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that that's such an important piece of this. You know, I'd always wanted to be in this industry. I'd always wanted to be in this industry when in school, but I graduated from UK, I was in 2008. So, you know, there wasn't a lot of jobs for me. And I had to do some odd jobs, you know, coming out of school. It, you know, it was basically whatever I could find at the time. And I feel like I'd never really had the pedigree to get into these big shops. And it's really, you know, I got lucky that Morgan even gave me an opportunity. I owe, I owe Morgan a lot, but, you know, I started off as a financial advisor trainee and I was, you know, I was hammering the phones for six hours a day six days a week. I know now that you can lick enough envelopes and you'll get woozy, right? So I was just sending mailers out. <laughs> and, and, you know, I think a lot about that is that I worked really hard at the beginning and, and I still do now, but you know, at the beginning, it's about, you know, trying to figure things out. And, and if I hadn't done that, I wouldn't have gotten an opportunity to land on one of the teams. And if I hadn't done that, then it wouldn't have been you know, given the opportunity to move to Greystone and, and I wouldn't be sitting here today. So what I would say is that you got to keep working hard and you don't know when you're going to get lucky, but gosh, don't mess up your opportunity is what I would say. So, you know, work hard and, and just stay humble. I think there's a lot of ego sometimes. And, and I think that there's always more to learn and there's always someone that's going to know more than you. And that's just the name of the game. 
you can take that two ways. You can say, hey, you know, I know you may know a little bit more than me, but I'm in the position that I'm in. So this is how it's going to work. But I think there's also another avenue that that you can actually take that in and say, okay, I want to know this. I want to pick your brain with it. And I hope that that's the avenue I've tried to take down is that learning from all these amazing meetings and all these amazing people that I have the opportunity to be able to sit in front of and pick their brain really, and really to learn some of the best ideas that they've had. Yeah. That's how I kind of feel about that. Yeah. No, that's great. That's great. And I, and the funny thing is, is when, even when I was reading you the question, I'm like the first thing that popped in my head is be humble. You know, like yourself, I kind of started an operations and, and kind of, you know, worked my way up. So it is like being humble and be willing to ask questions. I think are two of the really foundation blocks for a successful career in this business. I wholeheartedly agree. I mean, just the people that you're able to sit down in front of, I think you can just take, I mean, I have no good ideas, right? And I have no good ideas. I'm just really good at listening and regurgitating good ideas that I do here. And I say this to my team all the time, and that's, you know, and so lucky to be able to do that. And I think just trying to Take advantage of that, I think, is the name of the game. Well, that's absolutely perfect advice for anybody listening who wants to get into the business. Patrick, I thank you for sharing that. I want to head into our few final questions, if that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. So we here at Harbor believe wholeheartedly in active management, but every financial professional has their own take. What's your philosophy and where does active matter most? Yeah, what's my take? I'm a big believer in it. We utilize active management and we pay for active management. It's very important to us. I think sometimes people in my position are too quick to say, yeah, I think it matters in this space, this space, this space. You know, I'm a big believer that there are degrees of active management. As an example, you know, maybe you could say, okay, yeah, you're in large cap core. There's no reason for active management because it's so efficient. I can guarantee you that you can build a portfolio in large cap core that has a tracking error of 20% versus whatever your benchmark is, even if it's in large cap core, it's about how you do that. And what I would say is that we try to find active management that is really active. And we pair that active management intentionally with really cheap exposure through ETFs to gain that passive exposure. You know, I, I sit on the very far end of the spectrum of that. I really want active management. So I don't want to see a lot of these big names in the portfolio because I don't need active management to do that. I can do, you know, access that through an ETF. So when we think about active management, you know, for the most part, it's not necessarily a space that we find it. It's really just a mindset of how that portfolio management team is working. We want portfolio managers that have a real opinion about specific stocks. So usually for most of our managers, they don't have a lot of positions, meaning that they don't have a lot of holdings or a lot of stocks that they actually own. It's a a high concentrated position portfolio, and it's intentional that way because we're able to pair that with a more passive exposure to get whatever we need to get out of those managers. So yeah, you know, I'm a wholehearted believer in active management. I just think there are different degrees for it and what you're actually looking for. And yeah, that's how I'd kind of phrase that. Oh, that's awesome. I appreciate that. Yeah. So we've got to come back to your Twitter. How can people <laughs> find you? What's your social? What's the website? <laughs> I mean, and we definitely need to hear the Twitter handle. Yeah. <laughs> so the Twitter handle, I wish it was better. It's SFA underscore INB research is the name okay. of it. So we publish once a week. On Fridays, we try to publish four charts that we really think are interesting. Not only interesting from that, you know, oh, this is an interesting tidbit, but also kind of incorporate, well, why does that matter to you? 
right? Why does that matter from a portfolio level or from a person level? So try to phrase what we're seeing and why does it mean something to them? So that's the first thing that we do. And then, so we push that on on Twitter. And then we also have our website is sourcefa.com. I've been working a lot along with some of the other people in the firm to really build out our market insights page. So that's where we have all our, you know, any write-ups that we may have. We also post those same source four pack of charts. And then we also have our Mastering Your Money series. And so there's different avenues that we have as well. Well, excellent. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, no, this has been great. Thank you very much. No, it's been a pleasure. And so now we're going to move on to the final section. I like to call it the lightning round. Everybody else calls it affectionately 60 seconds with Patrick. So let me know when you're ready. Let's go. I'm ready. Okay, I want to mix things up, but I know you'll be able to handle this question. What is your favorite University of Kentucky basketball player? I'm a big DeMarcus Cousins fan. Nickname? P. Wong. Hobby? Yeah, I have a fish tank. Your favorite podcast? I listen to Odd Lots from Bloomberg. Alternate universe profession? It would probably be politics. Facts set or Bloomberg? Bloomberg. Your position in hockey? Right defense. Last thing you watched for fun? The new Mandalorian right now. Messy desk or clean desk? clean desk. Favorite Excel formula? VLOOKUP or index. Most used emoji and text messaging? I don't use emojis. Mountains or beach? Mountains. Favorite sports team? Kentucky basketball. What will you miss most about Bed Bath & Beyond? The strange combination of kitchen supplies with actual eatable goods. Hidden talent? I know directions really well. 60-40 portfolio, a classic or a relic? Classic. Best advice you've received? Be humble. And what is your favorite way to get active? Hockey. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being a guest today. I really enjoyed speaking with you. Love sources and your outlook and, you know, look forward to maybe doing this again in the future. Yeah, no, thank you very much for having me. This has been a great honor. So I really appreciate just you guys taking the time. Thank you. Whether you're a seasoned advisor or just getting started, The Active Advisor brought to you by Harbor Capital offers professional insights for the financial advisor community. Visit us at harborcapital.com to learn more. And don't forget to subscribe to The Active Advisor on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts to stay up to date on investment trends, tried and tested research methods, and what your industry peers are up to. From all of us at Harbor Capital, thanks for tuning in. And now for important disclosures. This material is for informational purposes and is not intended to be relied upon as a forecast, research or investment advice and is not a recommendation, offer or solicitation to buy or sell any securities or adopt any investment strategy. The opinions expressed are as of 27th of April 2023 and are subject to change. The opinions expressed by the speakers do not necessarily represent the views of Harbour Capital Advisors, Inc. The information and opinions contained in this material are derived from proprietary and non-proprietary sources deemed by Harbour Capital Advisors, Inc. to be reliable and are not necessarily all-inclusive and are not guaranteed as to accuracy. This material may contain forward-looking information that is not purely historical in nature. Such information may include, among other things, projections and forecasts. There is no guarantee that any of these views will come to pass. This material may not be representative of the experience of other individuals. Reliance upon information in this material is at the sole discretion of the viewer. This material is not legal 
tax or accounting advice, please consult with a qualified professional for this type of advice. Investing involves risk, including the risk of loss. Specific companies and issuers are mentioned for educational purposes only and should not be deemed a recommendation to buy or sell any securities. Any companies mentioned do not necessarily represent current or future holdings of any investment products. Harbour Capital Advisors Inc. does and may seek to do business with companies covered in this podcast. As a result, listeners should be aware that the firm may have a conflict of interest that could affect the objectivity of this podcast. This material is prepared by Harbour Capital Advisors Inc. Harbour Capital Advisors Inc. is not affiliated with Source Financial Advisors. All trademarks or product names mentioned herein are the property of their respective owners. Copyright 2023 Harbour Capital Advisors Inc. All rights reserved.